Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Thrilled to be here with the head coach of the Piedmont Family YMCA down in Charlottesville, Virginia. Also has a, a role working with the pro athletes down there. Welcome, Gary Taylor. It was great to see you at, at Ohio State and uh, great to see you here today. How's everything? Very, very good, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me on. And um no, happy to uh, be able to converse today and just wishing everybody, I hope everybody had a great holidays and, and a good start to their 2024. So thanks for having me. Well, coach, absolutely. And, you know, you had a great start to the holiday season out at Junior's East, some really impressive performances by your men specifically, but the women had some great races too. Uh, you know, we all know about Thomas Heilman and what you guys have been able to accomplish as a team, but those relays were pretty impressive. Talk to me about the decisions behind, all right, we're going to have Thomas lead off the 800 free relay. Maybe we leave him out of the individual event to focus on some other things. But you have three other guys uh, inside those relays that are doing a heck of a good job. Talk about that team culture that you have going at Cavalier right now and, and what it's like to be part of that. Well, thank you very much. I, I think, uh, you, you, know, um, you know, first and foremost, it starts with kind of a, a dream and a goal. And and those guys, uh, it, these are some things we had talked about and, and certainly on the men's side for quite a while now, um, you know, because of, of the way the season sets up and, and obviously with Thomas, uh, you know, being at world champs this summer and, you know, why nationals, we had a different schedule last year. We knew we had some pretty competitive relays, but it never quite aligned to have, the four or five guys at the meet that we needed all at the same time. So, I mean, th these were discussions that quite frankly, the guys brought up uh, and really been discussing for quite a while. One in particular, our breaststroker, uh, Max Moore had been talking about these types of goals and outcomes uh, middle, middle of, of really middle to late 2022. Right. So then it was just a matter of putting them uh, at the same meet, putting them in a, a position to to perform well and and uh, have some tremendous outcomes and and they certainly did so you know you know ultimately with that group um, you know I think people like to highlight Thomas uh, but but there's a really strong group of of guys uh, here in the pool and there have been for a couple of years now and uh, you know I, I was pretty uh, I, I did get some compliments at the meet or or some kind of uh, you know, statements, Hey, you know, it, it's, uh, it's not just Thomas and, and, and it's not, you know, it takes a village to help support him, but uh, there, there's a lot of other uh, young, young men and women in the program that, that do a great job. And uh, we were, we, we, uh, you know, in all honesty, um, you know, they, they set a goal to win all five relays. So we were just a bit short there. Uh, 12 one hundreds makes a, <laughs> Made made a difference, and and credit to the uh, to the other teams and programs that won the two medley and two free. It was it was a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I thought we performed really well. There's no doubt about it, and I, and I think you know what's what's most exciting is when you look at your program and you're going to get some of these blue blood club teams who are traditionally in the top three or the top five, and you know you're really in the early stages of developing this program down in Charlottesville always been great swimming down there right but this at the club level is is we're really seeing a difference and when you have three guys 18 and under who are, who can split under 44 
that's going to put you in a good position. When you have three guys on the same team who are 137 or faster, uh, forget about 132, you know, that that's pretty remarkable. Talk about the proliferation in the last few months of a guy like Dave King, who who might be just on the peak of his trajectory upwards. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think uh, a lot of credit to David. I mean, he's he's uh, someone early on that I noticed and and felt like could be a uh, you know a real player at the not only the the YMCA level but the junior national level and. Um, you know, funny enough, I tried to tell some college coaches that a while back and, and, and Todd uh, obviously has the opportunity to see him a little bit more, but I mean, what, what's not to like about David? I mean, he's, uh, uh, you know, he's got the attributes, you know, six, three, six, four, long arms, long legs. He flows through the water. Well, uh, but, but more importantly, as you'll see from, from the other guys, or as I see from the other guys, they're, they're, uh, really pretty selfless for one another. They've got good attitudes. I, I mean, it's, I'd love to tell you we're doing some outside the box stuff here, but, but I've talked about this for years. Like it's, it's their willingness to be coachable, uh, to want to grow themselves, live in the uncomfortable. Uh, I, I do think we've got some, some young men and women here that have tremendous work ethic. And, and then, uh, you know, even, even discussing the relays a few minutes ago, I mean, they, those were, those were a lot of their goals. And so uh, to, to see them strive to be their best uh, and then do it in a team setting is, is incredibly important. And so uh, David uh, has really been coming for a couple of years now. He had, a, he had a solid, solid sophomore year, dropped a lot of time, and then really took off last season, uh, had some tremendous swims during short course and some more great swims long course. And that's just kind of continued uh, here this fall, he, he's he's taken it to a new level from a training standpoint, and then uh, you know he's willing to be the consummate teammate. Uh, you know, good attitude, works hard daily, and and really um, has grown a lot uh, from a maturation standpoint. So he's a very different swimmer and person than he was two years ago. Not just physically, but between the ears, and and he started to see some bigger things for himself. Uh, for 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 himself and his swimming, and he's just really taken off. So it's been a lot of fun to see that. It's been fun to watch. And you know, one thing that I picked up on when when we first started the conversation was you mentioned you know Max Moore was was really a kind of a leader behind this. And you know, if if you look at your program, I mean, Max Moore is the fastest guy on a lot of club teams, and, and here he is, and and he's finding ways to get it done for his relays. You know, he's he's on there with three guys who are you know, really at the next level, but here he is, he's being a leader on your team. Talk about how important that is for building culture within a club. Certainly. You know, I, I think at some point it all starts with an idea, right? And so, you know, if you don't believe you're not going to achieve, right? And so you've got some athletes and, and Max is one of those uh, that, that discussed like medley relay, nag records, like a ways back. I, I don't know how that entered his mind or, or when that started necessarily, but that's in his mind, uh, that's something he's been discussing and talking about for like several years prior to my arrival. So uh, I just, I think, you know, if, if you believe you can achieve. And so someone like Max, uh, he, he's another one similar to David, uh, late bloomer, uh, was a good 12 and under, and then didn't grow a whole lot at 13, 14. And then 
started to grow at 15, 16 and, and uh, started to become more confident. And uh, he's really taken off in the last couple of years as well, too. And and you're right. Like, uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, we, we've got some high achievers, not only in our program, but but in our community. So, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, you know, 54 and two double. That's pretty good. But I'd like to be here. And I'm like, well, Max, it's a process. Right. So so it, look, it, it all starts with a dream and then it's embracing the process. And, and I really do believe that these. Uh, the men and women that we have in our program uh, over time have, have certainly embraced me and, and they work hard uh, in dry land, in the pool. Uh, and, and a number of them are, are really mature and selfless and, and wanting to get up and perform for others. Uh, and, and we've mentioned a couple of those guys. I mean, we had, you know, Will Charlton at the end of the 800 freestyle relay. I mean, he, he's kind of the, the young buck, a, a kind of an up and comer here. Uh, who got up and, and swam substantially faster at the end of the relay than he'd ever been flat start wise. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Will Brown as well. Will didn't necessarily have the the meet he wanted to individually, but, you know, he, he got up and performed for his team. And, and when the lights were bright uh, in some really big moments and, uh, you know, I told him at the end of the meet, we'll continue to work on the individual piece, but my gosh, you swam out of your mind for, for your teammates and for these relays. And without you, we don't have a, a chance to accomplish what we did. So just proud of the guys group uh, there in general. And, uh, and uh, they've, they've really come together and gelled and, and you can see that in the outcomes. No doubt. And, you know, for a guy like Will Brown, who's solid, all, he's solid all four strokes. I mean, if you and I had had this conversation, because I had a boy in the IM too, if you had told me that 148 wasn't going to be top 24, I would have said you're nuts. This was a fast meet. It was a it was a really fast, really deep meet, and so and and I'm sure you you understand this. Being at the meet with athletes, they start to uh, reflect and compare themselves against the absolute very best, and and I would say. Uh, you know, no, no discredit to the, to the West juniors. West was really quick too. Yeah. My gosh, uh, this, this East meet was incredibly deep, really competitive. And, and we talk about it all the time in our program. Uh, if you're not ready to go in the morning uh, and you're not your very best or not working to find a way to, to get your hand on the wall before others, you're not going to have the opportunity at night. And this junior national meet was absolutely that way. So um, you know, I think I think sometimes we look at ourselves and compare ourselves in that moment. And in this case, I mean, this this really was a fast junior national meet, number of records broken. I mean, incredibly deep. So, you know, I I'm not even gonna say average. You you can't be average and make the meet, right? And certainly if you're swimming at night, um, or, or you have a sniff to swim at night, you're not an average average high school swimmer. But you come out of this meet sometimes thinking, man, I only got a B final or only got a C or I didn't quite get there. And it's like, I'm not that good. And in reality, you are you are pretty doggone good. But I think it's on us as coaches, uh, you know, to to help them understand, like, hey, at the end of the day, uh, you've got to be ready to go in the morning. But this is a really fast meet, too. And so, uh, you know, it it's you're comparing yourself against the very best. And, and in reality, compared to the average, you're far beyond that. And uh, 
you know, as you know, Mike, you've been in this for years and years and years. As your swimmers get to a higher and higher level, most end up comparing themselves in the moment and don't see the bigger picture. And I think that's it's important for us to discuss that uh, with their athletes and swimmers throughout their process in high school and certainly even in college too. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and when you think of how fast that top 24 is, you know, at night, somebody's going to light up the C final with a time that might have made the A final. So every time you have an opportunity to swim at night at that level, it's, it's, it's a chance to do something special for yourself, right? And, and for your team. And you mentioned how important for the team is. We, we talked about Will Brown, 43-9 in the 400 free relay, right? I mean, pretty spectacular. And it, and it brings us to a great point here, Gary. And, and that point is oftentimes as coaches, we get kind of pigeonholed into being this or that. Oh, this guy's a great sprint coach. This guy's a great distance IM coach. You know, when you were at NC State and, and at Auburn, you know, people were, were kind of thinking of who the best athletes you had were and, and who was scoring where. Now you got a, a 200 free relay that gets second at juniors, a 400 free relay that wins it, an 800 free relay that that shows talent in sprint swimming. But I know that you haven't really changed. You just might have tweaked some things here or there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, philosophically, first and foremost, uh, we are we as coaches are blessed to work with swimmers who make us look very good and like we know what we're doing, right? So uh, I've got an incredible group uh, and a half for a couple of years. Uh, th these kids work really hard for me and, and uh, make me look like I know what I'm doing from time to time. So, you know, th that's first and foremost. Um, and, and then I think collegiate versus club. And that's a discussion that we're going to get into a little bit here. You know, look at, at uh, Florida State, NC State, Auburn, I primarily coached upper middle distance and endurance based swimmers, right? So, um, you know, when you're trying to develop uh, the best, I don't know, 4 IM, 500 free mile performer, certainly sprint and speed play a role in that. Um, but it's it's not the end all be all, right? Like we've got to do some of that work, but you've also got to be really good at at repeats and 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 maintaining performance and distances uh, or, or over the course of a distance. And I think too, uh, you know, at the college level, depending and, and teams are different, right? Like uh, I just happen to be a part of programs, and and uh, you know, in my my final program, like I'm kind of delegating. Here's what we're going to do, and how here's how we're going to do it. Uh, but those those swimmers excelled in those areas because those were their talents, right? So, um, you know, now at the club level, philosophically, from a training standpoint, I'm still very much in the five-stroke training, uh, working regularly to, to uh, you know, to, uh, you know, I kind of talk about it as, as uh, uh, areas of, you know, instead of weakness, it, it's uh, opportunity for growth. So how do we continue to, to develop those areas? Because I know that's going to enhance our strengths. Uh, and, then, and then getting them a platform that allows them to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that over the course of a training week and a season is incredibly important. Whereas NCAA level, we had some of that, but I knew at the end of the year, I mean, if you're coaching a group of 10 to 15 and half are doing the mile, they're all doing the five free and the four IM, well, you knew what bucket you were going to pull from, right? At the club level, you know, we as coaches aren't necessarily coaching two or three events. And if we are, 
as you're probably aware, we're probably not very good if we're only honing in on two or three races, right? So, so for me, it's like, how do we give them enough sprint, enough middle distance? I probably spend a lot of my time in that middle distance realm. How do we give them a little bit of endurance? Uh, and then every now and again, I'll, I'll break out. Okay, these guys are milers. Let's give them some mile work. Uh, okay, we've got some sprinters here. How do I keep them captivated and, and, and uh, you know, excited to come to practice? So, so there's a little bit of that, but I live in the middle, whereas in, at collegiate coaching, I lived at the, the more distance into that spectrum. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny what people think and how they think of you as a coach. And it doesn't take much of that to, to turn things around. I know, uh, you know, ironically, um, you know, coaching Thomas a couple of years ago, when I first started in the program, I think the first of anyone at juniors was the 53. So then all these coaches are like, oh my gosh, you're a sprint coach now. Right. So, uh, but, but that's, that's perception, right? And the reality is we as coaches have to be malleable and mold. And uh, I, I think we can embrace certain philosophies, overlying philosophies, but we can't just coach one way all the time because then we're missing uh, attributes and things that the kids need, uh, you know, physically and both mentally. Right. So uh, I, a little bit long-winded, but that, that's kind of the thought process behind that. Oh, that's great. And and I think it, it sheds light on, on the way that you think of yourself as a coach too, understanding your strengths and weaknesses and where you can always improve. So here we are, Gary, it's a non-Olympic year, for example, and we just finished our season and we're getting ready to technically plan that macro cycle, that meso cycle for the year in at the uh, in the middle of August. How has your thought process changed? Um, remained the same from technically planning for a college season versus technically planning for a club season? Yeah, I, I don't. You know, the the fact of the matter, like I don't know that it's changed all that dramatically, right? So when when you look at the two seasons. In, in many ways, shapes, and forms, the club season and the collegiate season from a short course standpoint, very much overlap. You know, you, you train all fall. Uh, we're maybe at the club level able to do some things at, at, at uh, a little bit earlier than they can collegiately. But uh, I think for me, like, I, I haven't seen them being all that different. You know, fall, we, we train, we get the base, the background. Um, I do a lot of things similarly in terms of uh, the, the overall type of workload we're doing or the type of work we're doing during the fall. You have your mid-season performance. I think the biggest change, uh, and, and this is something that we're going to work through now this month, you know, I, I think the one thing about being a collegiate swimmer, you know, you get that, that holiday training camp, that break. Uh, you're away from school, you get to fully dial into training. And many times uh, at the club level, kids are going home to mom and dad, right? Collegiately, they're going home to their their dorm room or their uh, you know hotel room or wherever you might be staying. Uh, and, and they're with their teammates and it's all in 24 uh, seven. I think that might be one of the, one of the biggest changes that I've seen. You know, we, we have a two week break from school and then we're right back into it, right? Whereas collegiately, uh, it could be as much as, I, I, you know, some schools are, are what, four, five, six weeks now. Um, and so then once you start back collegiately, 
there's not all that much before you get to the finish line. And then it's like, well, conference is right there. So like everything you've worked for, for those four or five or six months, it's right there in front of you. Whereas I do think on the club level, um, you know, we come out of the holiday training break and it's, it's January and it's colder out. It's darker out. Training's hard. They're getting up early. Uh, they've got schoolwork to do. And now, Oh yeah. Well, what's, what's the big exciting me? Oh my goodness. It's, you know, March, it's early April. Whereas collegiately you come out of that break, you're within a month typically of your, of your conference championship meet, the goals for the year right there. So, so I think there's a little bit of a lull in January for the college teams as well, but I think it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's almost, um, it's, it's elongated at the club level. So how do we keep them motivated? How do we keep them moving forward? Uh, you know, typically you have your, your conference meet mid to late February, right? And then NCAAs is about a month later. So, so there's a way to hone in. I mean, you know, for a lot of teams out there, look, you finish conference and then you get into some low key training or it's more aerobic or style back a little bit. Uh, club, it's not that way. So we're, we're kind of in a situation where, our, our big meets, you know, we've got senior champs. We're going to have some other meets in, in March as well. And then the first week in April, uh, during our spring break, we've got YMCA Nationals. So right. I, I think, I think, you know, from a training standpoint, to me, there are a lot of similarities. you just got to draw out the winter season. But from a mental standpoint, it's trying to maintain focus with the group that worked hard all fall. They had their midseason meets. And now we've got all these things going on and man, we still have several months. So it, you know, you know, at some level it's, we don't really have to dial in yet. Cause I still have until April when in all actuality, I think, you know, like if you're not getting the work done in December and late December and January, <laughs> the end of your season, you're, you're going to struggle. So I, I think that to me is maybe a bigger change than, than uh, or, or maybe a little bit more difficult than collegiate. Uh, and then, you know, once you get through our, our Y national meet uh, this year, uh, you know, we, we've got we've got people getting ready for June. So there, there is no downtime and they're continuing to work. So so I don't know. And, and I think, uh, you know, going back on it, like that's kind of what I what I saw at the collegiate level. You know, during that Olympic year, you're coming off of NCAAs and you want to be ready in June and July. You can't take a break. So I, I think on some level that's probably prepared me better for the for the club level from that end of things and that that hasn't changed dramatically um you know but in terms of what we're doing obviously uh you know kind of a, a senior group here in charlottesville is going to operate a little bit differently than uh the, the the distance programs or the the distance groups that i ran on a collegiate level so that those are probably the biggest changes i see yeah, so much great information in there to unpack. And I know that that, that answer, you know, it, it, it really covered all of the those differences that you see. And especially as we try to get through these dog days of January as club coaches, you know, trying to make practice fun, trying to keep it engaged. And that brings me to my next question, Gary. And we know Coach Bowman has this great talk about capacity versus utilization, right? So as club coaches, we're really trying to build their capacity. And then once they get to that next level, the college coaches can utilize that capacity. What's your philosophy on some of the differences philosophically between training club level athletes 
to training NCAA and pros? You know, I, I, I um, funny enough, I do think, uh, and, and you, you work with what you're given, right? And so collegiately, um, you know, you've got the strength and conditioning coach, you've got the weight training, you've got, you know, either, you know, potentially a dry land coach or the staff's running that you've got doubles every day and the school schedule works for that. Right. So uh, you've, you've got your, your training staff that's going to get in there and help, uh, you know, with injuries or sickness or, or in this day and age recovery. Right. I don't have a lot of those options at, at the club level. And, and even from a pool time standpoint, uh, I, I, you know, up until this year, uh, and, and if, you know, we, we've run some doubles during the summer, but I don't have many opportunities for doubles. Well, right. I think most people assume that's because I'm not willing to get up in the morning. Well, we, we actually train at 530 Monday through Friday. We're 6 a.m. on the weekend. Uh, and, and as you as you are probably aware, like. We got out of school later. So at some point, you've also got to support your age group swimmers developmental program. So, uh, you know, with our pool space, it's been really difficult to run doubles because I just don't have pool space from four o'clock on in the afternoon. That's what we utilize for our 14 and under. So from a from a from a volume, from a training capacity standpoint, I have to do everything I can uh, in those AMs and one time a day to give my athletes what they need. And so you know, from from that standpoint, I would tell you in my perfect world, I'd like to do some more doubles, but I, I work with what I've got. So so I do think um, I, I, I can go back and forth on that. I, I certainly understand what what Bob's discussing and, and agree with that on, on some on a particular level. Uh, and at the same time, look, I mean, you know, you get them as collegiate swimmers. I mean you got to find a way to get them better, right? So there are some athletes that get to the college level that are really prepared and can handle the work. And there are other kids that over the course of the first season and throughout their career, they continue to grow and get better, uh, you know, from a, from an aerobic and anaerobic standpoint as well. And then, you know, I, I've also seen, um, you know, the, the other end to that is, you know, you, you see some of those kids that have, that have worked and done a, um, know work and done the volume at the the club the high school level and they get to college and and sometimes they're mentally fried and and physically what else can we do um mm -hmm. so so i think there's a little bit of a happy medium on both um you know i've had a lot of people ask well you're not doing doubles well how are your kids swimming fast you know i just i coach with what i've got and do what i can to give them my best every day uh, so I, I don't know that you necessarily need doubles all the time and volume and growing the base in order to do that, because uh, if all I'm concerned about is volume and, and growing that for the future, well, then then you're missing out on speed opportunities. And uh, how do we how do we get better in our shorter events? Right. So uh, I, I do think there's a happy medium. And I think it's on all of the coaches, whether club or college to continue to grow both of those areas uh, throughout and, you know, um, maybe call me crazy or I've, I've just been lucky. I, I think that's, that's worked for me over the years. And so um, I, I do what I can with what I've got in order to, to grow those different facets of, of the athlete themselves. 
you've been very fortunate, Gary, to, to work around a lot of great coaches in your career, whether it was at the club level, at Dynamo, um, you know, whether it's been at Florida State, NC State, Minnesota, you know, you name it. You've been around a lot of great coaches. Talk to me about how you've used some of those college coaches' ideas and put it into the program at Cavalier. You know, you, you're around a, a guy, um, you know, like Braden Holloway, who's incredibly creative. You're around a guy like Bobby Ganturo, who's outside the box all the time. You work with mm -hmm. Todd at NC State, and now you're back together again. Um, you know, just so many great coaches. Um, how have you put some speed and explosive power into the work that the club athletes are doing? Yeah, I really think, you know, from that standpoint, you kind of take a little bit of everything or a little bit uh, from every place you, you visit, right? So, uh, you know, my, my college coaches, uh, I, I had several uh, th that really made an impression on me. And I think at that age, you're not really so focused on the training. You don't understand it. You just do what you're told, right? Or, or certainly that's the way it was when I was uh, swimming or the way I felt. Um, but but I learned like compassion, caring. Uh, those were men that that absolutely loved their swimmers. Dennis Dale, Kelly Kramer, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and several others as well uh, that that really had a passion for the athletes and cared and went above and beyond. Jack Pedinger, uh, Al Bulk, uh, and then and then you know you you get to the club level and uh, you know you you discuss Dynamo. I mean. Uh, Beth Winkowski, Rich Murphy, uh, Jason Turcott, who I would say uh, my mentor and and someone I really looked up to, Bo, Bo Caldwell. Uh, and you just had a lot of great minds. Uh, and, and I think what what I learned from that group was like, you know, uh, just Jason, the thing that consistently stood out, Jason drove us to be better each and every day week after week, 52 weeks a year. How do we think outside the box? How do we get better? Uh, he had such a such an incredible energy. I mean, he might be the hardest working coach I've ever been around in my life. Um, and, and so he drove us to be better, right? And so you get to the college level, uh, you know, Neil at Florida State, and then most certainly with that NC State staff, like we were all young. We, we had a chip on our shoulder. We've got something to him to 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 prove and i would almost say uh what i learned most uh and, and certainly from the dynamo and nc state staffs was just like that daily press to get one another better get our team better and 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 ultimately reach our our highest goals and so they were a little bit different how they went about it but it was just a daily intensity and energy um uh, that 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 taught me a tremendous amount but i think you know you, you mentioned the uh the nc state coaches i mean i, I was really blessed uh to work with that group uh you know from a, a speed standpoint uh you know todd bobby Braden were all tremendous at that mallory as well and so you're just seeing people throw everything plus additional kitchen sinks at the swimmers right so like uh power racks power towers shoots fans like short burst creative uh you know in some ways shapes and forms maybe a little bit outside the box i think it it became inside the box as we saw it all the time right so but but the one thing i took away from that staff 
uh, and, and certainly on the endurance end of things, I never walked out of a practice or out of that building feeling like, you know, you hear this a lot of time from, oh, we work so much harder and we do this and that. You guys just do this short stuff and it's not, it's not that difficult or hard. And man, I'll tell you what, um, that staff, I really believe pushed the athletes to be their absolute best, expected that each and every day. And, and you never felt like you were working harder than anybody else. You were just doing what you could to make sure your group was doing the necessary work to, to, to uh, enhance and achieve the outcomes and goals that you wanted. So uh, I think all of those far more so than me had creative minds on the speed end. Uh, look, I, I don't know if there was anything that I necessarily took away from it that was like, sure, they were outside the box things and I picked stuff up. But it was just just being willing to like push the swimmers to be their best every day and live in that intensity. That's what we all were, uh, whether it be endurance, middle distance, sprint, the men, the women, uh, different strokes, different uh, e event lists. Like everybody pushed to get the most out of their athletes. Uh, and I want to say that that one of the things that always stuck out to me, I always felt like we warmed up at in dual meets and you know, end of season meets, I always felt like we we were working as hard in our warmups as we did on a daily basis. And like, I remember getting or feeling the vibe of like other people looking at us and being like, what in the world are they doing? They're going to kill their athletes. And it, it, they just did. That's just what we were every day. So that was the expectation. And, and then we got up and performed. So uh, certainly there were little things here and there, but but I would say the biggest thing, energy, emotion, daily intensity, high expectations, doing what your group needed to do to help uh, the entirety of the program succeed. And if you didn't feel like you accomplished that during a day or a week, you almost felt like, not from the other coaches, but but from your own self, like, I'm letting my team down. We need to be better. And that that's, I, I, I really, quite frankly, saw that at Dynamo too. So, uh, different ways to go about it. But, but at the end of the day, just high expectations and working every day to get better and get your athletes better. For sure. And and what a fun group that was to watch at NC state. And I'm certainly, you know, very thankful and grateful for that staff uh, did a tremendous job with our athlete and uh, you know, so, so, so proud of that, that group. Um, and we just missed you. We just missed you by a little yes. bit, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think one thing that that staff had in common was that, it all looked like everybody was really enjoying being together, whether it was Todd being super excited with his group or Braden or Mallory or you or whoever, you know, Kevin and, and all the other people that played a role. Everybody looks super excited. You know, it's not always exciting to be at practice, but if you can find something to, to share and be excited about and have fun with, that goes a long way. You know, I know that there are certain sets that you've had kids do that kind of become legendary. Is that something that you take down to Cavalier too? Are you, are you guys, you know, ever doing something where you say, hey, you know what, fellas, we're going to really challenge ourselves on this. Or, you know what, ladies, here's a set that that we want to get done and 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 let's show the world that we're having fun at practice. Yeah, I think um, ultimately walking through the through the door, I mean, that that was one of the biggest changes for me. You, you had known uh, from a coaching standpoint what you had done, what what athletes in your program had done and and 
I think if I'd gone full bore early on the first six to 12 months, it probably would have scared a lot of people. So as a coach, you've got to figure out what's going to work right now in this moment. And so I would tell you that, that over the last year or two, I think the swimmers would tell you they've seen more of those kind of mid-season, tough, hard-grinded-out sets. Uh, and, and maybe they didn't see as many of those in year one. Uh, but but certainly we've got a, you know, a holiday kick set that I've done for years, a fish burn, five ones up to, to a 500. Uh, you know, the, the top group tries to make an interval base of, you know, starting at, at basically 130 on the 200s get a little bit of rest, the 500s on a 115 base. We've had some kids here perform really well on that. Um, on, on the guy's side, I think on the women's side, uh, intervals uh, are not quite as quick, but we've had some real success in that. Uh, I think sometimes, and, and uh, you know, I think this day and age, getting them to like just grind and do volume all the time has been a tougher uh maybe a little bit tougher ordeal. And so again, working that immediately probably wasn't going to go well for me. And now you're starting to develop some sets or do some things that you've taken from the collegiate level and can apply this and make tweaks here and there to make it their own uh, and, and allow them to be successful because you can do all the grinding sets you want, but if the kids don't understand it, don't know why they're doing it and they're not successful it makes it really difficult. I think one of the other sets that, uh, that I've, that I've taken, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving, uh, we'll do kind of a, a set that we did at NC state 100s of free at 130 and uh freestyle kick at two minutes. Uh, and, and you're basically at a threshold plus effort level throughout. Uh, and, and so that, that's, that's a set I've taken. There are other little sets here and there, but those are some things that I want to develop as we move through. Uh, we, we do a holiday countdown uh, right before Christmas, right before they go home. Uh, you know, and at the collegiate level, you're working with distance swimmers, right? And and so they kind of embrace that. I don't know that they always liked it, but they embraced it, right? And so at the club level, it's just, it's getting them to understand that they can do really hard things and be successful doing it uh, and, and that's that's most important to me. So if you're going to do those types of things that are really tough, really grueling, grinding, I think you have to pick and choose. And then you want to you want to make sure you're putting them in a in a situation to have some maybe not everybody has to to make it or be absolutely successful. But you've got to show, them, hey, there are others that are able to do this. So if they can do it, you can do it because they started not believing in themselves or believing they could they can make this happen. and. I think that's how those things grow. And then year after year, Hey, is that set coming up, man, I want to do it this year. And, and uh, so we, we've started to implement some of those things and I'd like to continue doing more of that moving forward. Yeah, that's, that's great stuff. And that's what keeps the kids engaged and excited. And, and, you know, maybe next year they take a look at what they did the year before and, and, and apply themselves to try to go get those goals. <clears throat> Absolutely. What, what's something Gary that you think uh, makes a difference with training athletes underwater. I mean, you and I were at Juniors East, almost everybody in the tuner fly, everybody in the tuner back, everybody in the tuner free is getting 15 meters on that last wall inside the top eight. I mean, and, and, and if you're not, you might be at a disadvantage, right? Not everybody's gonna have the underwaters that Thomas has, but 
talk a little bit about what you guys do as far as your 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 work underwater because I get a lot of coaches and a lot of parents asking me, hey, you know, how can we get our kids to be better underwater? And and a lot of time my answer is they got to focus on it in practice. There's no magic sets. Yeah, there's not. And I would say, but but to reiterate what you just said, you've got to do it in practice, right? That's a pretty redundant statement, but. That's the fact of the matter. If you don't do it in practice, you're not going to do it in a meet. And so I've always found if you have, you know, a swimmer or two that's really good underwater that everybody else can look at and kind of chase. And, and in this case, I do. And I, I've had that in the past as well. I think that brings it maybe maybe not up to that athlete's level, but it it forces the others to kind of push or say, OK, well, that's what it looks like. I'm going to go do it. Uh, you know, I would say some things that I've implemented. I thought we really took off about a year ago underwater or started to really progress. Uh, I'm really big into using, uh, uh, I think David Mars termed it as like laser beam where you put the cord at 12 and a half yards and force the athletes to kick underwater uh, past that, that uh, stretch cord every length, you know, 25s, 50s, 75s, uh, you know, I, I think that's been really helpful. We do, I think in order to be good underwater, you have to develop dolphin kicks. So uh, you've got to be willing to do it with a board. You've got to be willing to do it underwater. Uh, so much of, of underwater kicking is breath control. So again, using that laser beam format, like you you, you just have to learn. And, and I think we as coaches have to give up some of the performance piece early um, so I'm, I'm really big into, you know, we put that stretch cord at 12 and a half, uh, we might do 1500 to 2000 yards of that. We'll mix up the strokes. We'll mix up different, uh, distances, typically not more than, you know, we'll, we'll do a lot of 25, 50, 75. So you just get them used to it. Intervals are a little bit bigger. If you're not willing to give up, okay, well, uh, you know, we're not going to do, uh, you know, I, I've got to get this amount of volume done today. I've got to do it at this intensity level. If you're not willing to do that every now and again, then, then it's hard to develop that, right? Because I do think it does take a little bit more time. You've got to allow them to recover, uh, you know, you know, after they finish. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we, we ordered some swim bridges lately too. So we're going to start using those as well. But again, to reiterate your first statement, you've got to do it. So if you're not pressing the athletes to do it and you're not working on it as coach, guess what? They're not going to do that. Uh, even more basic than that, if you ask any swimmer in our uh, really 13 and over program and said, well, what, what's Cavalier kick count? They'll tell you that's four kicks off the wall. So it, it's a part of the the, the word, uh, the part of the, the daily verbiage, the nomenclature. Uh, we implement that sets, something we discuss constantly. Uh, we'll implement different tools, and that's really what it comes down to. And then, uh, you know, discussing Thomas, he he just uh, really, within my first few months, uh, you could see the underwater prowess he had. He's, he's always been good at it, and I think over the last year or two, it's like, okay, well, what's your kick count for 200? Well, you know, it's going to be four to six. Okay, well, let's do that. Okay, well, I'm seeing eight kicks, and Initially, he couldn't do it, but within 30 to 60 days, he's doing eight kicks. And and so it's just uh, – I think in order to be that good at it, you've got to have a special mindset too. 
you you've got to your lungs have to be really strong, right? But then you've just got to have the mindset that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be disciplined in doing it, and and uh, he, he's done that, and I think that's that sets him apart from most too. So, uh, I mean, you know, you, you you've done this a, a long time too. Like, you know, just getting someone to fall in on, in, in the water and do it even three to four kicks off the wall every every wall is is very difficult but every now and again you get the special swimmer that's like okay i'm going to do this uh you know you mentioned bob earlier uh i know you know that's that's something michael was really good at early on and they they just embrace it it's innate to to their skill set and ability and they're willing to do what what many others just either can't or won't do so got to be the fifth stroke right yep absolutely uh, and Gary, this is a question as as a coach who coached college athletes for a lot. And one of one of the questions that I get from our parents all the time is, "Hey, my son or my daughter has multiple junior cuts, but you know they're being told that they're not fast enough yet to be on the team." When you look at a depth chart and you say, "Like, oh well, we fit in here, here, and here," and my answer is like, "Look, they might only be looking for this type of athlete this recruiting season. Roster size, especially for the men right now in, in college swimming." is really limited. So what, what is your advice to parents who find themselves in those positions? <laughs> uh, that, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I don't know that I have an easy answer. And, and I think because of a couple of the items you brought up, roster size, scholarship limits, uh, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot more opportunity for women out there uh, swimming wise than there are for men swimming and diving wise than there are for men. So it gets really difficult. And, and certainly there are programs like, you know, the things we don't see athletic budgets. Uh, is this, is this program fully supported? Is it not fully supported? Okay. Well you get 9.9, .9, but a lot of people don't get this. You know, even if you're a walk-on that walk-on is still time, effort, money, right? Like, you know, people here walk on and like, Oh, well, I'm just, I'm just showing up on campus and trying out for the team. Well, that that's really if ever the case, like, you've typically been recruited like they're putting time effort and monetary investment into you so uh you know I, I think first and foremost academically if you're really strong every door is open right like you may not be able to swim at that school but man you could go there academically so that's number one uh, are you are you working to become um you know someone that's that's an asset in the pool well being great at one event's awesome but if you can develop your event list and become really strong across three, four, five, six, seven events, that, that goes even further. Um, are, are you someone that is showing up to practice every day, working hard, um, and, 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 and really values the sport and, and wants to be a part of something bigger? Are you a great teammate? Those things go a long way. So, so I think, um, you know, look, it, it's not an easy process. It's incredibly stressful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to coach athlete right now as a, as a junior that everybody's knocking his door down, but the reality is that's one in a, in a very few, right? Like right. the majority have to stay diligent to making themselves better in the classroom, making themselves better in the pool, making themselves a better teammate, and then being proactive and more aggressive in the recruiting process. And and I will say this day and age, a uh, couple couple of other quick pieces of advice. Uh, 
you know, look, that, that <laughs> this generation of athlete doesn't communi communicate like they did five or 10 or 15 years ago, right? So now all of a sudden, you've got to be able to talk over the phone with an adult. Like it's not just text communication or, uh, you know, messaging through social media outlets. It, it's you've got to be able to communicate over the phone and reach out. And I do think parents, certainly with juniors this day and age, should be a part of the process. Uh, but I would say like the athlete being able to communicate and connect with that coach is incredibly important. If mom and dad are doing that, well, then what's it going to be like at the next level? Does this tell me that mom and dad are going to continue to tr control the process? Because sometimes what the athlete and mom and dad want are two different things. And then uh, you want to connect with that athlete. So if you're not able to connect over the phone or in person, or they're not able to communicate, you know, I, I think, I think that's, that's paramount, um, you know, so, because I think as coaches, sure, nonverbal cues and giving information, nonverbatim, we can do that. But most of us, uh, you know, if, if you've got passion and energy, you communicate through body language, voice, like, quick sound bites. So as an athlete, if you're struggling with that, uh, that's maybe something you want to work on, uh, you know, to, to, to help your, your opportunities. And then being able to write a good email, good grammar and punctuation, filling out questionnaires, you have to be proactive in this day and age. And you're one in, in most cases, you're one of many. So what are you doing to, to be active and separate yourself? Um, and know that the process for most, you know, I know we get locked into these, you know, 25, 50, 100 kids. Well, there are a lot more prospects out there. Most are not doing this in four to six weeks or two or three months. It's maybe 12, 18 months. And we've had a few in our program that ended up getting into their dream schools and, and having those dream opportunities. But it took until middle of their senior year to get there. And that's okay. Not everybody's going to be out of the gates know what they want so be persistent communicate do what you need to do back at home uh and, and actively communicate and, and get yourself out there uh and 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 give some unique uh how, how do you become unique and different from everybody else those, those are important things and questions to answer yeah i love it and and be your own best advocate you know absolutely I think that's the key uh, Gary, we have time for one last question here, and, and I've been excited to ask you this uh, since we started. You've been able to share the pool deck with so many great athletes, Olympians, Olympic medalists. Their mindset probably shares some commonalities, right? And what do we want to tell these 18 and under kids who, you know, aren't afraid to say, hey, I want to make an Olympic team. You know, you have a couple right now that that have the potential to do that. So what do you tell them about their mindset and what examples do you use to show good mindset? Oh, that, that is a, it's an interesting question. Um, and, and I think, I think some of it is, it, it kind of, it's innate, right? Like it's, it's, it's not, um, you've got to continue to develop this, but, but I think, I mean, sure. There is the, you know, like working hard every day. Well, that that's great, but it's more than that, right? You've got to have the physical tools, the physical skills. You've got to you've got to be dialed into your training. And I would say, 
and this is maybe a little bit difficult uh, of an answer to, to, to give or, or have come across, but I find in most cases, the, the athletes that are really skillful and doing things that others cannot do, it all comes back to coachability and their ability to coach themselves. So what I mean by that, coachability to me is, is the willingness to, to open your mind, listen, uh, say like live in the, live in the uh, uncomfortable, the vulnerable. I don't know everything. Give me the information you have. I think, I think there are a lot of, of athletes out there that, that live in that and want to live in that and they want the information. Well, then once you get the info, it's also being able to ap apply that information to your body and to your racing. And, and I think the ones that are really elite, it's somewhat, somewhat already innate. And I've seen this, like they can take that info and run with it, or they know that information before you even give it to them. So I do think there is a, uh, they, they've got, there, there's a coachability to that, right? But then there's also like they've got a special skill set and ability to understand their body better uh, than, than maybe you as a coach even understand it on some level. And they can manipulate and make changes better than others can. And that doesn't always because I, I think people hear that and sometimes think, OK, well, that means they're not coachable. I've had plenty of athletes that would go like give their right arm to to get physically better and become the very best they could be. But when you're giving information or you're trying to give the, the necessary tools, they're maybe not able to make those small tweaks or adjustments like that next level does. So, so I think in order to get there, because some people will hear that and say, okay, well, if I don't have that, I can't get better. Well, uh, I think it, it is innate. But it's also developed too. Like I don't know that most eight and unders or nine tenths are necessarily that way. But as they grow and mature, uh, it, first and foremost, you got to be coachable. If you're not willing to 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 take information and want to improve and live in the uncomfortable, it's not going to work, right? But then the, the the next piece is is being able to to physically and mentally apply that on a daily basis. And I've been fortunate to coach a few. Um, that, that almost know that before you even give the information. So, hey, coach, I saw this. I need to work on this. Uh, hey, coach, on my final kick on the underwater, I noticed that, um, you know, my 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 kick becomes smaller, so I'm not breaking out as clean as I should. Hey, I'm watching this video, and I'm seeing this, and I need to enter this way on my freestyle, you know, and, and hey, I'm, I'm looking at this athlete, or I'm feeling this in the water. I need to change this, or you know, better yet, hey, so-and-so, why did you do that? Well, I've been thinking about this and I've got some information and I know this is something I can do better in practice and go ahead and implement. Or best yet, hey, coach, you told me this three weeks ago uh, and 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 you didn't give me the reminder, but you told me that I'm already working on it now. And I'll tell you, those are, those are few and, and far between. Um, and, and I would say, at the highest of highs, they just know and understand their body and can make mental tweaks uh, better than the rest. And, uh, you know, I think I think winning is a talent as well. Like, you learn to do that, but there's also a skill in that too. Like, there are certain people that just know how to get their wall, a hand on the wall first, and it goes a long way. So, sorry, 
you'll uh, anybody watching this will, will realize I can talk and ramble and go on and on and on. My brain works in many funny and, and mysterious ways, but uh, hopefully there's something, two or three things people can pull from this. No, that's great. And, you know, you, you said it when when you get to the highest level of this sport, there's something to those few who know how to get their hand to the wall first. And it's absolutely a skill um, and it's absolutely innate, I think. But 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 also, you know, the result of a lot of learned behavior. So, so absolutely. appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. Gary, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, too, you know, you know, we've got our teacher athletes to win and compete on a daily basis as well. So it's our responsibility as coaches to to work on those things in practice. And, and going back to my previous experiences, um, certainly, you know, you talk about NC State. That's another thing. Like back against the wall, can you get up and perform? Can you get up and compete when it matters most? And I think, you know, with that staff and the intensity daily, it was how do you get your hand on the wall first? How do you learn to win? And how do you learn to win when it gets hard? And uh, th those are things, that we, again, you, we talked about innate, but those things you continue to develop as coaches. I do believe as uh, we coach swimmers, those, those skill sets are in there, but what are we doing to draw that out and help them get better and grow in those areas of strength uh, throughout their careers, You know, whether it be at the club or collegiate or pro level. So, uh, sorry. Just thought I'd throw one more oh, thing in there. That's awesome, man. And, and you know, I think it's our responsibility to have fun and enjoy it. You know, like, if you're going to get any athlete to the highest level in the sport, it has to be a journey of fun, you know? And, and that doesn't mean everything's easy, right? That means you find ways to have fun when things are hard. And, uh, you know, what what great symmetry to bring later in your life, you know? so Absolutely. Absolutely. Gary, so appreciate having you on the program. How can people get in touch with you if they're interested and want to ask questions? I mean, uh, email gtaylor at piedmontymca.org. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, look, if if someone's dying to get in touch with me, uh, there are a number of people that already have my cell phone number, but, uh, you know, if anybody was dying to 919-819-6839, um, you know, I'll I'll do the best I can to talk you through stuff or give information, but I've learned just like everybody else too, right? So I've taken bits and pieces and been incredibly fortunate to work with a lot of awesome coaches, see a lot of awesome coaches, get get bits of information, uh, and and ultimately we're all blessed to work with outstanding uh, athletes, student athletes who just believe in what we're doing. And uh, you know, from my standpoint, my journey hasn't been any different. So certainly not uh, cornered any markets and, and I've got to continue to grow and learn myself. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I think that's how we do that communicate openly and, and discuss. So thanks for giving me this opportunity, Mike, and appreciate your time. Thanks for thinking of me and our program. Well, it was easy. It was fun to watch you guys and uh, excited to continue to cheer for you and watch you guys have great success and looking forward to seeing you this summer. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Take Thank care. You, Best Gary. wishes. Happy 2024 to everybody. Absolutely.